Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to jump back into our series from the book of James um, that I've entitled, A Faith That Works. A Faith That Works. So this morning we're in James chapter 3. And as we've been going through the book of James, we are asking and answering the question, what does real faith look like? That is, what does it mean to have real faith, a faith that saves, a faith that we might say works? And James is calling us, you see, to back up our words of faith. That is our claim to have faith in Jesus, our claim to have been born again, to back it all up with a lifestyle that reflects our faith and and the work of Christ within us. And as we've said, James has been making the point that only a faith that works is a faith that works. Because he says, faith without works is dead. It's useless. It counts for nothing. And in this next section, as we'll see, James ties one's faith to the ability to control one's tongue. Hmm, How do you like that? Right? You see, James is coming back to a point he made earlier on in chapter 1, verse 19. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And in verse 26 of that same chapter, he said this, that those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. It counts for nothing in front of God. Now we'll see that James dives much deeper into the subject, for obviously this was a very important matter for him. And if we believe that his words are God's words to us today, then what he writes to us has to be taken very, very seriously. And so I'm going to ask you to look with me, James chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, reading to verse 12. And James writes this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, but anyone who is anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. But when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed, have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. May God bless his word to us this morning. And so today, James speaks to us about a faith that controls the tongue, a faith that controls the tongue. 
You've probably heard it said maybe when you were a child or maybe you've said it to a child. What's your tongue? Or what's your mouth, right? And, of course, sometimes the kids get a little sassy and they say, well, I can't see my mouth, you know. I can't see my tongue, you know. But the fact is we try to teach our children to be careful with the words that come out of their mouths, the words that come off their tongue. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had your, your mouth washed out with soap? Uh, a few of us here, I did. Kim and I didn't do that to our kids, right? I've got all my kids here today, right? For some reason, my mother thought if we said something bad, you know, that, that she could wash it out of our mouths with soap. But again, the fact is we try to teach these lessons to our children, and yet we know we as adults, we've not always put into practice what we've tried to teach them. We often have a whole set of, set of words that we don't want them to say. And yet mom and dad use them all the time. Remember, parents, right, what is, what is caught are the lessons that are learned, not so much what is taught by our children. You've heard it said, I know we all have, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, harm me. Is that true? Of course it's not, right? One person wrote, wounds caused by sticks and stones heal. The wounds caused by words sometimes never heal. I can remember very clearly words that were said to me as a child, some positive, some negative. Some words that pierced, pierced like an arrow into my heart and mind, words that continue to linger in my mind today, and I'm sure that's the case for many of us here today, many of you who are online with us. See, James' point is simply this as we go through this passage. That is, that those who have truly put their faith in Jesus, those who have, have, have thus been regenerated or born again, have at the very least begun to take control of their tongues. That is, they've begun to take control of the words that roll off their tongues, the words come, that come out of their mouths, the things that they say to others. But you see, a faith that works is a faith that takes control of the tongue. And James begins in verse 1 by speaking to, to what we might call the wannabe teachers. He begins with a word of warning to, to the apparently many people within the church who wanted to be teachers. That is, they wanted to have a platform to instruct others with their words, with their tongue. And James is not negating the importance of teachers in the church nor the gift of teaching, but he is putting out a strong warning, saying, listen, those who use their words, those who use their tongue to teach others will be held accountable to a very high degree for each of the words that comes out of their mouths. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 12, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. For by your words, you'll be acquitted. By your words, you'll be condemned. Notice Jesus says, you're going to give an account for every word you say. And James would say, if that's so for the common man, we might say, how much more it is for those who use their words to teach and preach to the body of Christ. That's why it's so important. I, I believe that those who teach and preach in the church, they don't do so off the cuff and thus allow foolish or sometimes even heretical words to come out of their, their mouths or off their tongues. But you see, they'll be judged, and they'll be judged, judged strictly, James says. But in verse 2, James very quickly goes back to addressing the whole congregation when he says, listen, we all stumble and fall in many ways, and that's true, is it not? 
Come on, how many of you agree with that? We all stumble. We all fall in many ways. It's true. We all, even after, even after having come to Christ, we stumble. We stumble into sin. But notice what James goes on to say in that verse. He says this, that anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. In other words, although we have to admit we still sin, if you can keep your tongue under control, you will end up living a pure and sinless life. That is, we might say holiness and righteousness begin with the tongue. In the New International Version, which I read, it says this, that if you, that if, if, if you take care of your tongue, you will keep your whole body in check. But literally, it means this, you will bridle your whole body, like bridling a horse. That is, if you can keep your tongue in check, if you can bridle your tongue, your whole life, your body, your flesh will come under control. Listen, it's an incredible statement, is it not? It's a very strong statement, and I wonder whether or not we can believe it today. That if I can control my tongue, everything else in my life will come under control. That's what James is saying. And I kind of, I don't know, I've been like dealing with this like all week. And I, I kind of, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow because we want to look at other areas life of our lives. But James, again, he says, listen, if you can control your tongue, everything else comes under control. And then he goes on to explain as he describes the impact the tongue can have upon our lives. Verses three through six, he speaks about what we might call the unassuming tongue. The unassuming tongue, right? But when you look at someone, what's the first thing you notice about them? Let me ask you that. When you look, when you look at someone, what's the first thing you notice about them? It's their eyes, right? Sometimes it's their hair. Sometimes it's their physique or the clothes they're wearing. But how often do you take notice of someone's tongue? Unless they have a huge, like, tongue ring hanging out, right? Or when you look into the mirror yourself, what do you take note of on yourself? It's rarely your tongue unless you're having some sort of problem. I remember now, right, I'll share something with you here this morning. Like I have this little thing I can do. I can actually flip my tongue upside down. And so, you know, when I was a kid, my mom, you know, checking to see if I'm sick, she'd say, she'd say, well, stick out your tongue. I flip it over and stick it out. And, of course, the bottom side's all blue, and she'd, like, have a fit. Like, what's wrong with your tongue? But we rarely look at the tongue. The tongue being both small and, and hidden in one's mouth is really quite unassuming. And yet James points out its effect is great. And he gives three illustrations. James loves giving word pictures and illustrations. He talks, first of all, about the bit in the mouth of a horse. That when you look at the horse, you don't first take note of the bit, but of the horse itself. And yet it is that bit that bridles, there's that same word, that bridles the horse and gives the rider the ability to direct the horse where he wants that horse to go. And then he speaks about the rudder of a ship. Very few people would give notice to the rudder of that ship. And yet, in fact, in, in fact, it's often hidden from view. And yet it is the rudder that gives the sailor or the captain the ability to steer the ship where he needs it to go. And he speaks about the spark that causes a forest fire. When out battling a forest fire, no one is looking for the particular spark that caused it. Most didn't see it. Rather, they're facing the fire itself, a great fire caused by a small, unassuming, unseen spark. You'll notice that the first 
two illustrations speak about direction. As he speaks about this unassuming tongue, the first two illustrations speak about direction. That both the bit in the mouth of the horse and the rudder of the ship have to do with setting a course. In verse 5, he, 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 he speaks about this. He says that although the tongue is just a very small part of the body, it has great power over the rest to set the course. It boasts of great things, he says, or in this context, it's able to boast of great influence over the whole. That is, the tongue, although small, has the power to set the direction for the whole body. That is the direction for one, one's whole life. Just think about it. Your tongue can set the direction your life. The third illustration, the spark of the spark of fire has to do with destruction. And in verse six, James explains his illustration as he says this. The tongue has the power to not only give direction to the body and, and to one's life, but to destroy it. His words are very strong. He says, listen, your tongue, the tongue contains a whole world of evil or a whole system of evil. Because of that, it has the potential to defile the whole. That is, the tongue itself is, is like a spark that can set a fire. But he goes on and say, and it's not only like that spark that started the fire, but it's like the fire itself. It can destroy everything in its path. One person wrote, the whole of our human existence is affected by our tongue. For when evil comes off of our tongues, when the wrong words come out of our mouths, our whole being, the whole of our lives, and the whole of our world around us is affected. That's why Proverbs, the writer of the Proverbs wrote this in Proverbs 18. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. You see, although the tongue is small and unassuming, it has great power both to direct the course of one's life and to destroy it. The second thing that James talks about, not just the unassuming tongue, but the untamable, or we might say unruly tongue. I mean, this is tough stuff, isn't it? Right? This is tough for us. But he talks about the untamable or unruly tongue. And in these verses, verses 7 and 8, it seems that James reflects back to Genesis 1.28, where God says to mankind, just listen, he says, God says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And the word that James uses here in verse 7, when he says all kinds of animals and so forth are being tamed, have been tamed, the word that, that, that we often translate as tame has not so much to do with domesticating an animal so that I can have a tame dog or a bird as my pet, but it has to do with subduing, taking control over, having authority over, ruling over something or someone. It's the very same thought that's found in Genesis 1. And what James does is he sets up a contrast here when he says, listen, we have been able, are able to take control of and subdue all kinds of animals, all kinds of creatures, and yet we are unable to do the same with our tongues. Whereas we have learned how to rule over all kinds of creatures, we have not, not yet learned how to rule over our tongues. And then he gives this description there in verse 8, where he calls the tongue a restless evil. Whew. It's unruly. It will not come under subjection or authority. It's an evil and wicked thing, for it will not submit itself to the one 
to whom it belongs. And he says, and it's full of deadly poison. That is like a poisonous arrow that has the potential to kill its target when it's shot out and it hits that target. Or like a deadly snake that spews out its poison and has the potential to kill its prey. It's, a, it's full of deadly poison. I mean, that's quite a description of our tongues, huh? It's like scary to me. Like that's what this tongue can do? That's the potential in my tongue? Proverbs 11.9 says this, With their mouths the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge the righteous escape. Proverbs 18.7, The mouths of fools, and when the Bible speaks about fools, it's speaking of those who are immoral and spiritually deficient. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. See, James is calling us to recognize our tongues for what they are, the untamable force within our lives. For as good as our intentions may be, before you know it, our tongues just naturally spew out all kinds of poison, thoughtless words, lies, gossip, arrogant boasting, words that hurt others, words that destroy, and so forth. In the natural, our tongues are untamable and unruly. And then in verses 9 through 12, he speaks about the inconsistent tongue. So we have the unassuming tongue, the, the unruly tongue. And then the inconsistent tongue. And James draws upon what he must have observed in the lives of many people, even many people in the church, something that we unfortunately see in our own day. And that is the same tongue that worships God curses people. That is the very same tongue that on Sunday sings songs of praise to God, curses the driver in front of them on Monday or whomever else might rub them the wrong way. And James says, this ought not be. Or in other words, this makes no sense. For it is inconsistent to claim to have faith in God and thus worship him with our tongues and then use that same tongue to denigrate the very people he has created. And I don't think when he talks about cursing, he's not talking about that, that little package of bad words that we say, oh, don't say that word. Right? But he's talking about the way we denigrate people. With our words. Jesus said, listen, you say raka to someone, you fool to someone. And people say, oh, that's not a curse. It is, it's like you've murdered them. James goes on and gives three quick illustrations here. Again, he speaks about a spring of water. He says, listen, a spring will give forth either fresh water or bitter water. To think that one day it'll give fresh water and the next day it'll give bitter water, that makes no sense. It just doesn't happen. Or he speaks about a tree or a plant. He says, listen, a fig tree brings forth figs. An olive tree brings forth olives. A grapevine brings forth grapes. One cannot get olives from a fig tree or figs from a grapevine. No tree brings forth the fruit of another tree. To think that can happen, it makes no sense. It just doesn't happen. And then he speaks about a salt spring or a salt pond. Or we could even think of a body wa of water like the Dead Sea. That no one expects to get fresh water from a body of water that's known continuously that's known to contain salt in it. It would make no sense. It just doesn't happen. You don't go down to the Dead Sea and say, I'm thirsty, let me drink some water. James is reminding us that what comes out of a thing is based upon the inherent nature of that thing, the spring, the tree, the body of water, that we know a freshwater spring because it gives forth fresh water, and it does so consistently. And we know a fig tree because it bears figs, and it does so consistently. 
You remember Jesus' words in, Jesus, in, in Matthew 12 where Jesus said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth, listen, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Let me ask us this morning, how many times do we make excuses for ourselves when we say things like, I'm really a good person, I'm really a good Christian, I love the Lord, I just have a problem with my mouth. I just let some things slip out of my mouth now and there. I just tend to curse a little bit here and there. I, I just, I'm, I'm just the kind of person who speaks my mind. Or maybe referring to others whom we want to excuse. Oh, they're really a good person. They're really a good Christian. They just tend to gossip a little bit. They say a little too much. They criticize a bit. Oh, they, they put others down, but it's all in jest. And they just, you know, they just can't control themselves. But they're really a good person. Listen, both James and Jesus would say, listen, that's a lot of baloney. Just a lot of baloney. You will know who a person is on the inside, not only by what they do, but by the words that come out of their mouths. And it's ridiculous to think that a good person, a person of real faith, a person who's truly been born again, a person who has the Holy Spirit at work in them, a person who really knows Christ is going to worship God on Sunday and then use that same tongue to curse the driver in front of them on Monday. It's inconsistent. It's inconsistent. It makes no sense. It doesn't. It ought not happen. And listen, as we, as we are, you know, we're not out setting ourselves up as judges on everybody around us. But the fact is, some people are just going to show who they are, whether it's in the church, on the political scene, in the family. And so they're going to show who they are on the inside by what they say, by what comes through their mouths. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Ephesians 4.29. Thank you, Tom. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. No unwholesome talk. He's talking to the church. In Ephesians 5.4, he says, Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. I think those are words that we need to hear in the church today. See, I remember growing up in the church, and we were just kind of taught, you know, be careful what you say. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. There's a father up above, and he's looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say, right? And the ears and the eyes and so forth. And yet today we're very free with our speech. What we say the things we type. Sometimes I think we're a little too free with our speech. The Apostle Paul said, there should be no obscenity, no foolish talk, or coarse joking. Well, we, listen, we can joke, but it ought not be the way the world does. There ought not be a coarseness about it, a, a means of denigrating others, or talking about things that ought not be talked about. And so, what ought we do, and this is where I kind of want to land today, what ought we do if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, and yet, as we honestly reflect upon our lives, we realize that we have, we yet have an untamable and inconsistent tongue. What ought we do if we claim to be a person of faith, and yet know that our tongue is leading us 
consistently into unrighteousness, even destroying both us and those around us. And listen, I've known a lot of believers, they come to church and they worship God, but they go home and they're destroying, they, they've destroyed their families with their tongues, their relationships with their spouses, with their kids. And yet again, on Sunday, they're worshiping and they can quote the scriptures and they can pray beautiful prayers. What do we do if we find that happening in our lives? Well, the first thing we need to do, as we do with any sin, is we repent. We repent of our sin. Amen, church? Recognizing that the words we allow to come out of our mouths, that they're not in line with the faith we profess. Recognizing that the whole of our lives is being defiled, even destroyed by our tongue, and that we're going to be judged by what we say. And so we must recognize and repent of our sinful tongues. And maybe someone here needs to do that today. And after we repent, or even as we repent, we ask God for forgiveness. Aren't you thankful he's a God who forgives us? Right? He's a God who shows us mercy and grace. If we'll repent and then come to him for forgiveness. And some of us need to forgive. Maybe for unkind words spoken, for gossip, for lies, for criticism, for things you've said in haste, for painful words you've inflicted upon others. And then thirdly, we need to determine in our hearts that we're not just going to accept an unruly, inconsistent tongue. We need to get to that place where we say, listen, no more excuses. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know it's not acceptable to allow your tongue to shoot out its poison darts. It's not acceptable to allow just any words and every word to come off of your tongue. And, and somewhere in our hearts, we need to say, say listen, I'm not going to accept this in my life. Yes, God, I repent of it. I ask you for forgiveness, and I'm not going to just, like, gloss it over and make excuses for it. But here's what I'm going to do. God, I'm going to ask you for your help to take control of this tongue. It's unruly, right? It's untamable, and I can't tame it on my own. But here's the thing. We, we preach this all the time, that when we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and we are changed, right? We're born again, right? And that change will be affected in every area of our lives. That change will be demonstrated in how we use our tongues. And thus, if we... If we've truly come to know Christ, if we have a faith that works, we, we, we've been given a supernatural power because the Holy Spirit now lives in us and is able to help us. He's able to help us take control of that which in the natural is just so uncontrollable. But the Holy Spirit's able to help us. The Holy Spirit's able to keep on prodding us, saying, don't say that, don't go there, and begin to train us and empower us we might live new lives, that we might speak new words. Listen, church, James' point is simply this. If you're a person of real faith, that is a saving faith, a faith that has truly brought the work of Christ and his Holy Spirit into your life, it will, it will be demonstrated by the words that come off your tongue that flow out of your mouth. And some of us, some of us may need to pray today for the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out, that our tongues might be used to honor and glorify the one whom we claim to serve. And I was praying this morning, Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. It's a good prayer, isn't it? Let the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God, I don't want to have a, a mouth that worships you on Sunday, that lifts your praises, and on, on, on Monday through Saturday just tears people down, that speaks negative and criticism and gossip. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Will you bow your heads with me and ask the worship team to come and Father, we thank you. We thank you that your word is so practical and applicable to our lives even today. And Lord, I know that each one of us, we, we, we struggle in this area of our lives. We struggle with our words. We struggle with the things that come out of our mouths. And, and too often we're saying things that we ought not say. Too often our words are being used to direct us into the wrong direction or even to destroy us and, or those around us. And so, Lord, Lord, we repent of our sin today. We confess our sin. And we ask you for forgiveness. That truly the mercy and grace of God would come into our lives to forgive us and cleanse us, give us a new start. Today. But God, we're not just going to accept the way things are in the natural, but we know that you have given us the power of your Holy Spirit. That Christ has come into our lives and he's able to, to change us, to renew us, to, to make everything new, even to take control of our tongues, that our tongues, the words that we say, will be acceptable to you, will direct us into paths of righteousness, will bring blessing to those around us, bringing life to those around us. And so we pray, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. So, Lord, we make you the focal point of all things, that you would change us from within and that the good you do within us will be represented by the words that come through us. We thank you for this in Jesus.